Thanks, Carol. Boy, it's nice to hear some of those older songs. They don't get sung a whole lot, so you're kind of an out-of-the-box church when you do some of those old songs. It's great to hear. We're in 1 John, walking in the light. The path to living deeply in Christ. I want to look at this idea of, of walking in the light of Christ's presence continually. Not hit and miss and starts and stops, but continually walking in the light. And this is a great text. We did some of it last Sunday morning. 1 John 1, 7 to 10. Get a Bible. Let's study together for a little while. 1 John 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we talked about that last Sunday morning, that phrase, as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. So we don't just get fellowship with God when we walk in the light. We get fellowship one with another. You would expect if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him. But the emphasis here is if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him through fellowship one with another, this doctrine of the church there. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Not just loving, but faithful and just. True to himself and his holiness. Because Jesus bears the judgment that I deserve. God's wrath on the cross in my place. So God, when he forgives me, isn't just loving. He is that. But he's also just. True to himself. Faithful. If we confess our sins, verse 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that, all unrighteousness. If we say, if we say we have not sinned, we make him, that's God, we make him to be a liar. That's one thing. And secondly, his word is not in us. What a text. Last week, we kind of laid the foundation for uh, today's teaching. Walking with God isn't just a matter of, it's not just a matter of sort of continually reminding myself that I believe in Jesus and that he died for my sins. That's preciously true, but that's just a part of walking in the light. And according to John, maybe not a big enough part by itself to keep me in fellowship with Father God. Ongoing fellowship depends on how I respond to the light of God's revealing presence in my heart. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not just a creedal thing. It's an honesty thing. How I, how I choose to respond to the light, the inward revealing light of God's spirit in my heart, God's word in my heart. It's an honesty thing. Uh, it's an obedience thing. Primarily, maybe more than anything, it's an ongoing repentance thing. I have three or four thoughts that I want to walk through quickly this morning. One, how to operate from a position of spiritual strength. I want to look at verses 8, 9, and 10. If, notice the ifs in this text. If we say we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. 
and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, so none of these are, none of these are givens. They're not absolutely certain. There's an if, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Notice the ifs. And also notice the repetition of those phrases. If we say we have no sin. Or if we say we have not sinned. This, this isn't an outward speech. It's an inward saying. It's self-talk. So, so I think there are two ideas here. First, there is, praise God, there is abundant provision for all of my sin to be not just forgiven, but cleansed, removed. That terrible scene of, of self-deception where we, the truth is not in us, verse 8. And we make God a liar, verse 10. And his word is not in us. That terrible scene doesn't have to happen. This kind of inward spiritual decline and deception, it's totally unnecessary. It, it doesn't need to be the case. There's no lack of divine mercy, divine ability, divine grace. There's provision for both forgiveness and the removal of all of my sin and guilt, all unrighteousness. Cleanse me from it. There's no shortage of provision. So, so that's the positive truth in these three verses, 8, 9, and 10. Fellowship with God can always be maintained. John's already talked about that. So, so let's just be clear about what John is saying in these verses. My sin does not have to be a barrier to fellowship with God. My sin has been dealt with through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the barrier doesn't really come from my failure. The barrier comes from my denial of my sin. And that's something totally different. It's actually what the psalmist David made clear with his well-known words. If I regard, in, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It's not, the sin isn't the problem. It's that allowing, regarding, playing with, even denying the reality of the, the sin in my own heart. There's, there is no provision in the cross for people who deny their sin. There just isn't. You, you, you can't cling to sin and still claim forgiveness. But there's a, there's a second idea in these verses that, that carries a bit more warning. So clearly, John is saying that my sin can and will continually be uh, carcinogenic to my own soul even after Jesus has been verbally confessed as Savior and Lord. It, it, it ends up being quite empty if I cease to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and walk in the light on a daily basis. 
Well, Pastor Don, who in his right mind would claim to be without sin? I mean, who would ever have the nerve to say, I have not sinned? And you're right. In one sense, nobody would ever say that. In another sense, lots of people might say it. Nobody in his right mind seriously says, thank God I have never sinned. There's no stain of any kind that has ever been in my life. No, nobody does that. But I don't think that's what John is even talking about in these verses, 8, 9, and 10. Let me just kind of give you an example of what John is talking about. He's talking about all those times when, in little secret areas of my own heart, the Holy Spirit, through the Word, through the body of Christ, through conscience, the Holy Spirit says, Don, you've been walking with me long enough to know that that isn't right. That's a sin. And then perhaps, without ever saying a thing, I, I can learn to act as though I never really heard the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. Or, or I can just keep going as though what I was doing wasn't as seriously sinful as the Holy Spirit was showing me it was. Or maybe more accurately, I can assume that, okay, I'm not perfect, you're right, but, but who is? And, and anyway, God's grace just covers all my sin. And it does cover all my sin. When, when I bring it into the light, walking in the light, it's a, it's a foot in front of the other foot thing, day by day by day. It's a movement in the light. God's grace covers all the sin that I bring into the light. But John's point in our text is, is the cross of Jesus probably has very limited effect on sin unrepented of, sin denied, sin ignored, sin dallied in. And the aged John, near the end of his life, he seems to have this burning concern. I don't know how else to read these verses. He seems to have this burning concern about people in that church who were being confronted about sin, but still might not take that sin seriously enough to thoroughly repent of it, for whatever reason. And here's what we have to face. Here's what we have to face. Cedarview Community Church, others that are watching. Here's what we all have to face as we strive to grow in Christ right now. What, what is pushing back against us is we live in a culture that washes away the very concept of sin from our minds. I mean, my problems come, well, they come from my upbringing, from society, from my environment, from pressure from my peer group, from my genetic makeup, from stress, from the psychological strain of life. And it's not my place to deny the pain of, of any of those things. That's not my point. But our text today, our text today still needs a hearing. John is saying the attitude that, that quietly screams, it's not my fault. It's not all my fault. That lies very close to the surface of Don Horbin's heart. 
And it manifests itself every time God calls me into the light of fresh repentance. I have to deal with that. Point number two. The result of living insensitively to my own indwelling sin. Same text. Same text. Let me just see if I can clean this up a little bit. There. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay, there's, there's one consequence. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, there it is again, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and then and his word is not in us. The truth is not in us. His word is not in us. So, so when John says, if we say, he, he doesn't mean claiming the same kind of sinlessness as Jesus Christ has. He, he means saying we aren't sinning when our fellowship with God says we are. And he says something terrible happens when, when we deny ourselves honestly, repentantly walking in the light. Two terrible things happen. First, the truth is not in us. That's in verse 8. And secondly, his word is not in us. That's in verse 10. The truth isn't in us. His word isn't in us. Now, what I want to do just for a second is I want to look at another passage from the same writer where he uses those same phrases. It's in John's gospel. Chapter 8, 31 to 37. So Jesus said to the Jews, look at, look at these words, who had believed in him. That's important to note. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham. Remember how they said that? We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is a walking in the light thing. I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet, look it, you seek to kill me. So, in, at the beginning of this, I circled and showed you, these are people who said they believe in Jesus. The Jews who believed in him. In the, in the space of six verses, they want to kill him. Well, what is going on here? And then he says, because my word finds no place in you. Remember 1 John? Truth is not in you. My word isn't in you. Same John. People who said they believe in him. Now they want to kill him. And Jesus says that's because 
my word finds no place in you. That's exactly the idea being dealt with in our first John text. When he says, if, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, First John 1.10, and his word is not in us. But notice how this account from John's gospel starts out. All those words recorded by John with those terrible outcomes, they, they are spoken to people who pictured themselves as Jesus' friends. John's very careful in his gospel to say, 831, they believed in him. And then during this short time, they're wanting to kill him. Here's why. These people liked what they saw in Jesus. They liked what he did. They liked what he offered. He healed people. He seemed to forgive people. He performed signs and wonders. He freed them from the weight of dead, binding, legalistic religious leaders who made life miserable for them. What wasn't to like in Jesus? They liked everything about him. Until, until he started talking to them about their sin, their pride their need to be cleansed in spite of the fact that they were already Abraham's descendants, and they hated that. He told these religious people that they never did get to the place where they didn't have to embrace his words, even when those words humbled them. Oh, I mean, there's all sorts of ways, I guess, of starting fellowship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe these people, they believed in him. They sort of did. They could start fellowship with Jesus just by hearing about him, believing what he said. I mean, after all, Jesus hadn't fully revealed all that his lordship would entail in their lives. Things were just beginning to unfold. But but if they wanted to continue in fellowship with Jesus, abide in him, John 15. If that's what they wanted, they had to love Jesus even when he told them they were wrong, even when he told them they needed to repent, these good religious descendants of Abraham. They hated him for that. Didn't want to walk in the light. I think... I think you can actually hear the desperation in Jesus' voice when he says, you want to kill me, John 8, 37, and it's all because you have no room for my word. You're not making room for my word. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song around Christmas time. Some of you may know it. It was called, Have You Any Room for Jesus? Nobody sings it much anymore. I was thinking about the words just wrapping up this teaching. Have you any room for Jesus? He who bore your load of sin. As he knocks and asks for entrance, sinner, won't you let him in? Room for Jesus, King of glory. Hasten now, his word obey. I like that. Swing your heart's door widely open. Bid him enter while you may. Here's what I like. I love the way that songwriter links together the simple act of letting him in. Sinner, won't you let him in? 
It sounds so simple. And he links that up with, hasten now his word, obey. That's how you swing your heart's door widely open and make room for his word. I think it's a song the Apostle John could sing with all his heart. You, 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 you can't really let Jesus in. Keep the life of Jesus alive without his word. Hasten now his word obey. His word, the word of Jesus has to instantly rule every area of my life. Walking in the light requires exactly the same thing of all of us. I have to learn it over and over again. Every day that I live, I must refuse to let, at any moment, refuse to live at any moment solely on the accumulated resources of my past spiritual experiences or reputation. I I must never get beyond just being a, a child at heart at the feet of Jesus, bringing all sin into the light, that swings the heart door widely open and receive his word and walk in it day by day. It's a great text. Tonight, tonight we're studying soul food. We've been going over a lot about our Bibles, how we got them and how to study them. The idea tonight at 6.30 is, are the words of this book inspired or just the ideas. So, so God's thoughts and ideas, they kind of come through human uh, speech. So there's mistakes, there's errors. Go online, you can see all sorts of people who talk about the errors in God's word. Or are the actual words themselves inspired? That's what we're going to be studying tonight. I think it's a really important subject. Tune in at 6.30. And then Wednesday night, of course, we're back 7 o'clock, our midweek devotional refresh Studying the Gospel of Mark. We'll be finishing that up soon. Let's pray. We we, we don't want to just talk about a relationship with Jesus. We want to be daily walking in the light. Bringing our inner selves humbly, obediently, repentantly, daily before you so that your word finds all sorts of room. You're you're atoning, sanctifying, redeeming, life-giving word rooted in an honest and repentant heart. That's what walking in the light is. And and Jesus, that's how we want to live before you. Just continue to bless our church. Keep us all safe and in your care. Keep our hearts full of love and devotion for you, even in this difficult time. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Stay in the word, walk in the light, and love one another.